A weary fighter begins to envision a quieter life after befriending a young child, but he is pulled back into a world that he tried to leave. No, wait, that that's the plot of Shane. Okay. A retired hero reluctantly takes on one last job with the help of an old partner. No, that's unforgiven. Okay, anyway... On this episode of Moving Panels, we discuss Logan. Nice. Welcome to Moving Panels, the podcast where we discuss movies and TV shows based on, inspired by, and adapted from the world of comic books. I'm your host, Laramie Wells, and joining me today in the co-host chair is Chad Smith. How are you, Chad? I'm cold, Laramie. It's really cold, buddy. It's negative uh, nine degrees up here today, so... but. <laughs> uh, <laughs> But the great yeah, wild good. north yep. yeah. <laughs> up in up in alaska you gotta love it <laughs> you're in the the cold meanwhile i am in the uh the can't make up its mind from day to day state of georgia <laughs> all As four we seasons talked about right before we, yeah, 24 hours yeah we talked right before we recorded about how you have to dress for weather that's going to change somewhere between like 40 degrees <laughs> 30 in the morning 70 by the time you leave work yep Fun, good times. But uh, hopefully it means we get to have snow here. We haven't had snow in Georgia in so long, and I heard y'all got it earlier this year. Yep. Yeah, it snowed at my house on September 18th. was the first snow this year. So. It's not fair. It's not fair at all. I'll bring hopefully some we'll get some home I'd, for Christmas. So. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't need another snowpocalypse like we had several years ago, but... I would love some snow. Yeah, man. I have a child that has never seen snow. Oh, I need. We need dude. snow. Yeah. All right. Well, we're just. I'm just going to go ahead and and remove the curtain here, and explain that Chad and I are actually re-recording this episode. Chad and I sat down and actually recorded this episode a couple of weeks ago, uh, and unfortunately, due to some audio issues, uh, it was an unairable show. You wouldn't have been able to understand half of the show. <laughs> I sounded like I was a very, very, very deep cover FBI uh, informant. So, yeah, it wouldn't have worked out too good. <laughs> Chad's identity was concealed during the episode. So you heard me asking questions, and then you just heard this rumble coming from the other end. Um, so this is a re-record, and I wanted to to let you know that in case you know Chad and I kind of sound like we're rehashing something, or if we start talking about, like, did we mention that already? Or <laughs> I promise you, we're that, not phoning so. it in. Like we we love no, this content. We're definitely but... not. Fo- <laughs> yeah, and this is a movie that both of us. I mean, to go ahead and spoil kind of our final decision, both of us are a huge fan of this movie. Yeah. So let, let's go ahead and get into it. So, the movie Logan was released March third of twenty seventeen. Even though it takes place in twenty twenty nine, in the story. There have been no mutants born in the last 25 years. Uh, Wolverine's healing factor is kind of starting to slow down. You know, he's getting older. And so we kind of get to see the the effects of these mutant powers on really a human body. We also get Charles Xavier. He is 90 and has dementia, which is a horrible thing for a psychic to have. So, but is that because of the cessation of mutant powers and, and they're decaying, or is he just human and old? 
See, I th- I think it's a it's a mix of both. Yeah, I think it I think it really is. Like, like I said, I think this, and I really wish it could have delved into it more. I yeah. I do think that this is a lot of you know as they establish the X gene is just an evolution in you know humans, and so it's we're still mutants are still humans, right? But they just have this extra this X gene. Which um, we're now seeing, you know, what happens to them. But again, in the movie, Wolverine is older. Xavier, like says, ninety. He's old. We don't really see anybody else that we're familiar with, um, other than a character that we saw very briefly in um, uh, Apocalypse, uh, Caliban. But it's a completely mm-hmm. different character or actor, I should say. Um, so we don't get really see much more than that. But in this one, Wolverine uh, has to protect a little girl named Laura, who we discover has powers very similar to Wolverine, and we'll, of course, develop that as we talk, for those who haven't seen the movie. And, um, yeah, that's kind of the plot there. What I found interesting with the the kind of making of this movie is that the intention was for this movie to be filmed back-to-back with Apocalypse. Right. Which makes no sense to me whatsoever. No. Uh, I mean, you can't... I can't see where the final product of this movie, that was the intention. I think that early on in in the filming process, maybe, or early on in the writing process, probably, that was the idea. But by the time they shaped this story, uh, I don't think that was the... Unless they were totally going to hand it off to the next generation of mutants. I mean, if that was the intent that the group of young mutants, and of course we're jumping right to the end of the movie here, but the, the group of young mutants that survived the movie, you know, if they were meant to helm the next film, that's kind of the only way that that works. Yeah. So, but then you're looking at, so you're saying we had the X-Men first class run, which essentially ends. Well, it ended in dark Phoenix, you know, yeah. who am I kidding? It ended in first class. Yeah. So you got that run, and now we're just going to go, okay, and so now we're just going to build a whole nother run. And Well, I think they did that anyways. I mean, even though Hugh Jackman is literally in Days of Future Past, that how is that the same Wolverine? Like time, I yeah. mean, obviously we've made fun of their use of, of or not use of, whatever you want to call it of a timeline and there's virtually no cohesion at all, but they they had already done that. They were just starting a third franchise basically with Logan. I feel like if they were going to move it to the, to an apocalypse film. Yeah. I'm, I'm happy though with Logan being a one-off with nothing ever coming from it. I I think I'm happy with that. I kind of think that's a genius. Like you were talking earlier about you wish they had fleshed certain things out a little more, but I almost think that's the genius of the way this movie is, is because it can just sit alone. It really kind of doesn't need anything else. It's cool if you've seen, uh, you know, the two of them interact. If you've seen Professor X and Wolverine in the previous movies that those two actors played the characters and it makes a little more sense, but you don't even really need that. Like this, this movie to me, it almost doesn't even need superpowers. Like this is a, a story driven film, not a superpowers driven film. So, yeah. and I, I think that's why it works so well for me anyways. 
Yeah, no, yeah, you you and I have talked about that before. Um, of course, it could have been when we recorded this episode before, <laughs> but um, but yeah, to where this movie is, it's um, a story that has superheroes versus superheroes right. that are creating a story. Yeah, so I, I agree, and, and I think part of my fleshing out. And we'll get into this obviously when we talk about the moving panels. I think my fleshing out is just because the comic book run shows you so much with other characters. Well, so, I mean, just to dive right into that, the comic book run is the polar opposite. I mean, it is is for sure a super-powered-based story. Like, There's almost no character in it that's not super-powered. Like, apparently... If you survived the apocalypse in the comic run, you had to have superpowers to do so, like kind of thing. So yeah. it's it's very. And if different. we go into the since we're talking about it, if we go into the full comic run, Whew. which I was like four issues short of actually finishing, um, <laughs> that definitely turned into what other story can we tell and just throw Old Man Logan into it? Yeah. Like that's definitely what that became to, but we'll get to that. Let's go ahead and get into our characters, and of course, we'll start with Old Man Logan, uh, Wolverine, James Howlett, whatever you want to call him, <laughs> played for the, and I'm going to put quotes around this final time by Mr. Hugh Jackman, who probably deserved uh, an Oscar, in my opinion, for yeah. this role. I, it, I, I it's iconic into for the, sure. Yeah. They'll just they'll just wait until he plays um you know a bad villain one of these years and they'll give it to him for that instead, you know, just Malcolm yeah. X him so. Uh, again, <laughs> I won't get into the way the Academy Awards kind of pick and choose, but yeah, he he was he was uh, robbed. I don't even know who won it this year. I could look it up, but I don't care. And. And if you're going to go there, I think you could have went with Patrick Stewart for best supporting. For supporting. He oh, is definitely phenomenal in this. Definitely. I mean, when is when is Patrick well, I was about to say when is Patrick Stewart not good and then I remembered he voices the the poop in the emoji movie. Didn't um, he also do a cat in Cats? Pretty sure he voiced a cat. I haven't seen may, it. I, I don't I don't, I don't Ian McClellan did. I don't know if Patrick oh, okay. Stewart. Okay, yeah, yeah. Again, I haven't I don't think seen Patrick it. Stewart I was... did. I I saw it. My eyes witnessed it. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, that's where we're gonna. Speaking of musicals, though, do you know this was the same the same year this movie was released? Uh, Hugh Jackman also released The Greatest Showman. I did the same not year. realize those were the same year. That yeah, is 2017, same year. That's pretty incredible. Yeah. That's a talented man right there. Yeah, no kidding. But again, uh, talking about Hugh Jackman playing him, uh, Hugh Jackman does hold the very specific Guinness World Record of playing a Marvel character for the longest amount of time. So, but um, isn't Patrick Stewart also in the same amount of time because he also was in X-Men and then he was also in Logan. So, I I mean, (laughs) maybe does Hugh Jackman last longer in Logan? So that's why he wins. Like, what's the deal? See, I I, I couldn't find that, but I I think that is. So both of them have played the character for 17 years from beginning to end. Uh 
I think the argument for Logan might one be the fact that, and again, spoilers, I mean, dear Lord, if you're listening to this episode, (laughs) is that Professor X, Charles Xavier, dies before Logan. And so technically, Hugh Jackman goes a little longer playing the character. I also wonder if it has anything to do with the fact that James McAvoy has uh, also took, played took the same the character, character. For, for part of that time. Okay. Yeah. That, I mean, that would, I guess that would be fair because technically Hugh Jackman is also in that movie. So, yeah. So, and yeah. if you, and even, and if you just go based off of screen time, I think Hugh Jackman has been Logan on screen longer. Oh, for sure. Than Charles he's, he's got a whole extra movie. So, He's got two, two extra yeah, movies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, um, and then, like you said, you know, he makes the cameo in First Class. You know, he's the pretty much the main character in Days of Future Past, right. where Xavier's kind of just seen, or let me say Xavier, Patrick Stewart's Xavier is just kind of seen from time to time and throughout just that the one. future scenes, yeah. So, yeah, but... In July of 2015, while pre-production was still going on, Hugh Jackman did post an image of Logan who was giving the middle finger with his claw, yeah. and he used the hashtag one last time. And so it has been said that this would be his last uh, performance as Wolverine, as Logan. However, he had also said that if there was ever a chance of him being in the MCU, he would he would have done it. However, the MCU, he didn't realize that was going to be a possibility when he decided to make this movie and make that call. You have to wonder if it's not partly just the the same thing as Dave Bautista and Drax. Like, at a certain point, the man's just tired of eating nothing but chicken breasts and working (laughs) out 17 hours a day. I mean, that, that... that has to factor into this. He's got to be tired of, of having to deal with that regimen for so long. Especially, I mean, he's in... He's er, 50s? Early? Late 40s? Some Jackman or yeah, Batista? Yeah, Hugh Jackman. Yeah. I mean, he'd have to be. Uh, yeah. I mean, you and I are in our 40s, so so yeah, I would say he'd have to be. Yeah, he's, he's got to be at least but, late 40s, so... It's gotta, that's gotta be taking its toll. But I don't know. I mean, I, I could see his point if he gets to play Wolverine in the, in the MCU. Yeah. Even if, well, uh, let's just let's uh, tangent with that for a minute. What if he gets to be in What If? Ooh, like just as a voice. Yeah. Ooh, that's a that's a good possibility. I don't know, but you got Ryan Reynolds who is really trying to push at Hugh Jackman to at least make an appearance yeah. in like a Deadpool movie. <laughs> so, I mean, I, again, that's why I put it in quotation marks. This is his last time. Right. Right. Playing him. I mean, you look at Sean Connery who said he would never play bond again. Then he came back and did him for one more movie, which they actually titled never say never. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, I mean, was I, he talking, real quick, I just looked it up. Hugh Jackman is 53. This is pretty impressive. You, you got to think, though, too, was he referring to, I mean, he they kill the character. I mean, well, I, we're all huge spoilers at this point, but again, if you haven't seen it, what are you, what are you doing here? But, uh, yeah. I mean, 
Is he saying it's the last time because as far as they knew, they were he he's literally going to kill Wolverine in the in the film. So he's thinking this is the last ride. Like that's that's the end of it. Yeah, but I mean, come on, we're about to open a multiverse. And so, he had just done a time travel yeah. movie. So yeah, I mean it's <laughs> Yeah. As Wolverine. Yeah. As then, Wolverine. Yeah. Not a the whole, not yeah, a different whole, movie. Yeah. Yeah. The whole days of future past thing. Again, that whole timeline. The Fox we need to do a one shot just trying to wrap our brain around the Fox X Men timeline. Yeah, no joke. Um that would be a like a four hour one shot. Yeah. Uh of just the of just the two of us just going, eh, eh, eh. My head hurts. yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Oh man. Uh, all right. Well, let's go ahead and move on. Uh, we of yeah. course already kind of talked about lines. him, but, but Charles Xavier played once again by Patrick Stewart. Also, like I said, 17 years. And as we've also said, just, just brilliant. I mean, Patrick Stewart, Sir Patrick Stewart is amazing. I'm sure I can speak for Chad. Of course he can, say otherwise but i mean we grew up with him as jean-luc picard Mm -hmm. and we love him as jean-luc picard and then we got to see him i mean he was fan casting as you know when wizard magazine you know when we were kids there was wizard magazine and when you fan cast the x-men it was always patrick stewart as charles xavier patrick stewart as charles xavier and that's the one bit of fan casting that actually got to come true and, and lived just, up to everyone's expectations. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. Great. Great. Nothing against James McAvoy. James McAvoy had his own uh, decent run as uh, Charles Xavier, but it's uh, Patrick Stewart's on a different level. Yeah. Um, we've then got our our young uh, hero, I guess you could say. Laura, played by a uh, first-time on-screen Daphne Keene, who... You could have fooled me that this was her first time uh, acting. Yeah, uh, when we watched it, uh, you know, to to do research and everything to record this, I remember thinking that I didn't really notice, you know, in the in when I saw it in the theater, I didn't really notice how long it was before she had any lines. Like, you mm-hmm. you get that she's like this angry kid and just grunting and you know all this kind of stuff. But it made me kind of wonder if the directors didn't do that on purpose and kind of kept her, like really just held her hand and, and did a good job of bringing her along. I'm totally speculating on on how child yeah. acting works. I mean, I just, I don't know. I, I thought it was kind of clever in the sense that it. I feel like it probably gave her some time to get used to the other actors and how you know, kind of that timing works, all of those things, because when she does start speaking, she kills it and it, she's, she's amazing. Yeah. Now, even when she just starts blurting out the, the Spanish and then eventually speaks in English and yeah, she's just so good. She's so powerful there at the end. Yeah. Yeah. Such, such a great, and, and of course she is playing a character that I think this is one of the rare times that this has happened. She's playing a character that was not originally from the comics. Right. She's playing X-23, who was actually created for the X-Men Evolution television series. Yeah. Uh, debuted in episode 11 of season three. And the at name of the episode is X-23, which aired in August of 2003. Um, and then didn't debut in the actual comics until February of 2004 in issue three of a comic called NYX. 
And in the comic book, she is, it is revealed that she is a clone of Wolverine, but she's more of an adoptive daughter where you more get the impression in this movie that they say the biology makes her more of a actual daughter. I was very confused by that. Yeah, they're kind of gray about it in the movie, but I think they just wanted to leave a little bit of mystery there. So you, and and you kind of get the feeling that Logan almost doesn't want to know. It's it's better for mm-hmm. him, you know, emotionally if he can kind of keep it at a distance at first, but then by the end of the film, it's it's he accepts her as daughter, so he doesn't want to know to upset that maybe. It's that's just kind of the feeling I got anyways. Uh, Which again of, of goes into what we talked there. about earlier. Yeah, it goes into what we talked about earlier about not having everything fully fleshed out. Yeah. You know, actually does work for this movie. Yep. Um, but the character in the comics actually becomes Wolverine. Yeah, that's you know, what I was about to say. The actual moniker. Great mm-hmm. run. So she's she invented for a kids' TV show and is now the comic run canon Wolverine, and is great. Which the books are good. Yeah, she took the moniker in 2015, right before this movie came out. So again, if their intention was to create a franchise or to create a spinoff of some sort. I mean, it was a great timing for it. You know, she's yeah. kicking off her run as as Wolverine in the comics at the same time you introduce her into the the movies. Um, and who knows, with the Fox merger with Marvel and them trying to work things out, maybe we will eventually see. I doubt it'll be Daphne King, but maybe eventually we will see. She has been very vocal, though, in several interviews as late as, I think, just in 2020. She was in an interview saying that she's just kind of waiting to come back and play her again, that she loved the character and she'd love to, uh, you know, another shot at, at that character and everything. So who knows? Yeah, because she was 11, I think, when they filmed the movie. I think is how old she was. So you're looking at, at that was... 2017 and you jump ahead you know she's you know she's coming of an age where she could be a more a bigger character i know that she plays a a role in the his dark uh materials that's currently on hbo max oh yeah 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 uh i know she plays a role in that so you know even though this was her first movie you know she's still uh working on things and so hopefully we we might get to see her i mean again any of the x-men I think <laughs> us comic book fans <laughs> yeah. are just going, "Hey, we, you know, they can be in the MCU now. Let's let's yeah. see them." So, all right, moving on, we've got our uh, our main. I say main villain just because he's the one that that deals with most stuff, and that's Pierce. Um, I don't think they ever give him a first name, but he is clearly Donald Pierce from the mm-hmm. comic books, uh, who first appeared in the Uncanny X Men number one thirty two back in April of nineteen eighty. And just like most of the villains in the X-Men uh, who aren't already mutants themselves, uh, they hate mutants. And so that is that is how this comic book character is portrayed. However, in the movie, Boyd Holbrook plays him, and that character seems more that he actually admires He's a little bit of mutants. a fanboy, yeah. Yeah, and you know, he even tells Wolverine he's he kind of idolizes him and is a fan and makes you wonder if, his whole robotic thing is also him trying to, you know, become his own kind of hero. And so I'm glad, so I'm glad you brought that up. One of my very yeah. few complaints with this movie is why in the world 
other than that one cool yeah. shot where he has it reinstalled and it goes all his hand goes all the way backwards and forward. Yeah. It's really cool looking. Other than that one shot, what in the world is the point of this? Uh, the entire mercenary army that attacks Wolverine and the, the kids at the end of the movie are similarly cyborg people and not a single one of them uses their cyborg arm, leg, whatever for any, anything. It doesn't help them defeat any of the kids. Like I do not understand that choice in this movie making at all. Yeah. So, so that little group, uh, obviously I don't, do they ever call them the Reavers in the movie? I don't think so. It's clearly, I can't remember that. Yeah, I mean, it's clearly what they are. Is they're they're yeah. referencing the books there, but it it doesn't. They just seem like a bunch of rednecks that are probably vets that are disgruntled. Like a militia. Yeah. yeah, it's it's a bizarre situation, but yeah, but I agree. Like you, you, other than seeing his hand a couple of times, you almost forget that he's got a robotic arm yeah and then you don't even realize i think sometimes that all the other guys have some sort of cybernetic limb or body part or whatever because yeah they don't use it to do anything and and in just such a simple movie and i mean obviously overall it you know it costs a lot of money and there's a lot of cool special effects and all that kind of stuff but in a simple movie where it really was uh, peel back all of the the special powers like that doesn't play nearly as big a part of the movie like we were talking about earlier um and then you added this weird little side thing that then has no payoff even that's i guess that's what bugs me about it is like you went minimalist and then you didn't on this like one thing you decided to, to go like big hollywood again here and and then, like I said a minute ago, there's there's not even a payoff, so it didn't make a lot of sense to me. Um, but a relatively minor thing. It doesn't really take away from the movie. It's just a mm. a big like what what were you thinking? As far yeah. as I'm concerned, yeah. Just to have him use his cybernetic arm to pick, you know, grab Logan by the neck yeah. at one point and pin him against a wall or. Uh, you know, something. Or what if it stops and, the claws just one time? You know, saves his yeah. life when when Logan could have killed him. Like just anything. Like just, <laughs> could yeah. just one time where that there was a payoff for him having a, a metal robot arm, other than just it looking cool. Like I don't know. Or one of the Reavers who maybe has cybernetic legs is able to leap and jump and get in front of the kids when they were yeah. running at the end, or. Yeah, eh, it's wasted. Uh, but, let, but the let's character, go backtrack. yeah, to get back on track. Sorry, but the character I like. Uh, they do play it like you were talking about. They do play him differently in the movie than than you do in the books. But it, I I enjoy the take. Like the just everybody who's not a mutant hates mutants. Does kind of get old at a certain point. Yeah. Like apparently, there's no one on the planet that's some is just ambivalent toward them. You know, kind of thing. So the idea that this guy, you know, does have a healthy respect for uh, Logan and and mutants. So um, to me, that's more interesting. I think the guy who is good at tracking down Logan because he kind of uh, is obsessed with him, maybe a little bit like that. That's more interesting to me than the dude who just for whatever weird reason just hates mutants altogether. So I I actually like that change. And it's always a political aspect 
of it too, typically. Yeah. Because I because Donald Pierce in the comics has a more political role, you know, than than just being a hired hand right. as he is more in this one. Uh, but to go back also to our uh, group of uh, mutants, we also had Caliban played by Stephen Merchant in an I will say almost unrecognizable role, and he's amazing. Yeah, I'm, I mean a guy who is known someone for who's so associated with comic with comedy. goofy comedy, not even yeah. not even like dry sarcastic comedy that sort of thing. Like he is a goof. He played the goofy scientist could have been boyfriend in the big bang theory you know i mean there he, he's that dude and uh and he he really plays the creator a of the, the, the office yeah yeah um and the way that he yeah. grows this character through the run i mean he's he's a coward like let's it is kind of what it is but to see him actually have an arc and and grow and defend his friends even though he doesn't do it as successfully as he had hoped when he sacrifices uh, himself. Yeah. But the, the arc is still there regardless of the end result of his sacrifice. Like he does nobly sacrifice himself and you kind of don't see it coming, but he plays it so well by the end you buy it. You know what I mean? It wasn't just like that mm. was a, that didn't work. Why'd they write that in? Like he sells it. Yeah, no, I totally agree. <laughs> Again, you started talking about the comedy thing, and I was like, "Yeah, this dude was in movie forty three. Like that's <laughs> yeah, that, yeah, yeah." Uh, but no, yeah, Stephen Merchant is great in the role. Uh, he uh, he wasn't the first person to play the character. Um, the character was uh, played by uh, Tomas Lamarque, or how you pronounce his name. Um, I apologize. Uh, in Apocalypse, um, which again, if they were going to do these two movies back to back. That doesn't make sense either. Nope. Um, yeah, but uh, it, it is a character from the comics. Just to throw him out, since this is the first time we've mentioned him on the show, uh, debuted in Uncanny X Men number one forty eight in August of nineteen eighty one. Uh, the character is just like what it is. You know, he's able to sense, track, whatever you want to say, other mutants. Which has to be um, the most. Um... That, that's got to be the most disappointing mutant power for you to have. Like, you can just point out other people that are, that do have mutant powers. You don't, you don't even have a mutant ability that helps you defend yourself, you know, or anything. Like, it's, uh, I don't envy that dude. Well, you say that, this is going to be going into a complete, um, a, a complete different, um, story here, but... Have you have you ever read the comic? The uh, I think it's called the worst X Man ever. No, I think that's what it's called. No, uh, it's called the worst X Man ever, and it's about the a character who his mutant ability is he has the ability to explode, but it will kill him. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Nice. So yeah. So I I don't know. I I think I'd rather be Caliban if I had a choice between the two. Well, I mean, let's face it. Whether it's by Charles Xavier. Or by the evil scientist who wants to kill off mutants, you're going to be used. Like that dude is oh, yeah. just a used character. Agreed. Uh, and then we go to the the other villain, the man behind the the curtain per se, uh, Doctor Rice, played by Richard E. Grant. 
who has now gotten to redeem himself by playing old man Loki yeah. in the MCU. Yeah. Uh, but this is also, this is a comic book character. It is Dr. Xander Grant who first appeared in X 23, uh, number one in March of 2005. So just like the movie portrays, he is the one who, uh, has created the character of X 23. You find out that his father was part of the weapon X program and that Wolverine actually killed his father when Wolverine went, you know, crazy uh, as part of that. What a great scene that is, though, where it's almost a non-issue, just like, yeah, I'm pretty sure I killed your dad. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you did. <laughs> it's like, yeah. All right. But in the comic, it's this very odd story, origin kind of story. So... He works, he has a partner, another scientist, uh, Dr. Sarah Kinney, and he forces her, manipulates her into being the one who carries their clone to term. So she gives birth to X-23, and then as Sarah is finding out that he's using Laura as a weapon... She gets Laura to kill Dr. Rice, but Rice had put something on Sarah that caused a pheromone release that triggered some programming in Laura to then kill Sarah. Right. Yeah. Which which I'm kind of glad. I'm kind of glad they (laughs) they replaced that storyline with... um, I'm failing to remember her, the character's name now, but the nurse in the movie yeah. uh, that then, you know, kidnaps her out of the, the facility and everything that, that would have just been too much for a film. I think that just kind of seeing a, um, you know, a nurse, somebody who has given their life to the idea of helping people in healthcare uh, who risks it all to take a kid and, and try to get them out of harm's way. Like that's to me, that's like the level of, of uh, investment that I need in a two hour film. Like I, I'm not sure, you know, it would be very difficult to, to pull off the whole arc of mother getting killed and, you know, being redeemed from that, all that sort of stuff. So uh, well, I, I then, think it's a good choice. Yeah. Then you would have gotten into the whole, like we talked about earlier of if, if you had an actual mother of Sarah then you're having to explain again the whole how is, is Laura biologically yeah, related to is Logan, her actual yeah. father. Yep. So, uh, so again, too. Yeah, yeah, the the less you have, the more you know. We don't have to pick apart that doesn't make sense. Yeah, which has always been the case with the X Men movies. <laughs> um, yeah. So in the movie, it is revealed that Doctor Rice uh, created the transigen uh, virus which is what eliminated the mutant gene supposedly and is what is weakening Logan and Charles. Right. Um, you know, going back to Caliban, is there ever any mention of Caliban's powers being weakened? No, but I mean, even Logan's are like minutely it's, I get the feeling from the film that it's more that the adamantium was always poisoning him. And, and so as the, 
as the as his mutant healing factor slows down just a little bit, it's a more dramatic effect because his body is also trying to poison itself constantly. And now it's got to fight that on top of trying to deal with him getting shot by some uh, Mexican gangsters and stuff like that. But So what's your thought on Dr. Rice's kind of motive here? So he... Again, it's implied that he's created this virus, which has put an end to the mutant gene. And then he creates an army of cybernetic soldiers, which aren't really working out to his liking. So then he goes back to creating mutants himself that he can control. Um, it just seems like a very convoluted it is. motive. Uh at the risk of critiquing the thing I love, it's very comic bookish. It's not a, there's not a lot of, of real world logic to this dude. And to be fair, they kind of play him that way. Uh, he's, he doesn't seem like a real human being. He's, he is very cartoonish in my opinion. Uh, and it, it works. What is Richard E. Film. Grant never cartoonish though? This is true. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. But it, it works for this character to me. Uh, he's just, he comes across as one of those, like the typical mad scientist, the guy who's smart enough to do things that he shouldn't and so you know, awkward that he doesn't know better sort of idea. So, uh, you know, he's, he's not the chess player. He's not looking 20 steps ahead. He's just problem in front of him and he uses his massive brain to solve that, so... So going to a completely different franchise, and Tim and I did this episode already, and I'm not 100% sure, you and I don't think I've ever talked about this movie. Who plays a better version of this character? Is it Richard E. Grant in this movie, or is it the character that, um, oh, my mind just went blank. Is it the character that, what's his name, plays in uh, Bloodshot? Oh my gosh. Because <laughs> uh... you realize it's the same character. Ooh. Yeah, but that's it's the really the same character. That's really tough to judge because the the rest of that movie is such a train wreck that uh, I don't know. You're not wrong. That's who I was you're, trying to think of. Yeah, yeah, you're not you're not wrong at all. So, and even that, even it being Guy Pierce, like that's kind of a cop out too, because unfortunately, Guy Pierce, who I think is a phenomenal actor, has just been cast as that dude. Like way too many times, uh, so yeah. Is there anything that he's not the bad guy in? I mean, he's more or less the same character in Iron Man. Like, you know, he just plays yeah. that guy. So, I I think that this version is better solely on the fact that the rest of the movie boys up a poorly written villain. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, this is a whole different... We're, we're doing a mini one-shot inside of this. So, yeah, Guy <laughs> Pierce has played the same character in Bloodshot, Iron Man 3, and Alien Covenant. Yeah. And, I mean, you look at other Because he plays Waylon. Yeah, I mean, you, you look at... Maybe not in the, um, like, technology intelligence kind of thing, but, like, The Count of Monte Cristo. It's more or less... You know, the guy who's gifted and arrogant and, you know, used to be in control and uh, and now he's not kind of thing. Like, it's 
I don't know. He plays that bad guy a lot. I think the only thing you can list him not in doing that is uh, Memento. That's the only thing that comes to mind. But anyways. Yeah, yeah a weird mini one-shot on Guy Pierce's bizarre career. So Yeah, because, uh, yeah, I'm just... I'm, I'm racking my brain like what other what other movies like I got I'm trying to think of a movie that he's not the villain and he's not this arrogant villain and like even freaking uh bedtime stories <laughs> with Adam Sandler like yeah. that's his character yeah uh, so it makes you wonder is uh, Guy Pierce like a really arrogant dude in in real life yeah. <laughs> like poor guy. But, you know what I just thought of a movie where he's actually the the good guy but it's still the same character. The time machine. Oh, that's hilarious. That's yeah. too funny. Yeah. Oh, that's so He's funny. the arrogant scientist who gets yeah, put in yeah. his place, but he's the good yep. guy in that one. Yeah, he's the he's the protagonist at least. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's oh my goodness. Awesome. Okay. All right. Let's get back. Uh okay. you know, it's fun. So there you go. It so is. there's a one shot. We just had a nerdy oh conversation about uh Guy Pierce and Guy Pierce and movies. <laughs> So there you have it. Do you love movies of a certain age? Do you miss the days of VHS tapes and VCRs and video rental stores? Is the thought of another 80s movie being remade seem inconceivable? If you want to go back to school, back to the future, or even back to the beach, then the 80s Flick Flashback Podcast is for you. I'm Tim Williams, the creator and host, and on each episode, I'm joined by guest co-host as we revisit a different 80s flick to discuss our first-time watch memories, iconic scenes, and even learn some behind-the-scenes stories along the way. New episodes drop every other Friday on your favorite podcasting platform. So make like a tree, get out of here, and go listen to an episode of the 80s Flick Flashback Podcast. All right, let's get into the moving panels behind Logan. And uh, before we get actually into the comics, I do want to jump back to the previous movie of the, I guess you would call Wolverine trilogy, and that was The Wolverine, uh, because I did find it interesting that in that movie, uh, Yukio tells Logan that Mm -hmm. he will die on his back with blood everywhere, Holding his heart in his hands. Yep. And that's what happens. So That's what happens. He dies on his it back. Is, it is really cool. It is a cool foreshadowing. Yeah. I mean, obviously his Man, heart is Laura in this case, yeah. but yeah. Yeah. It's it's kind of Do you hard. think that was intentional? I do. I I think that somebody picked up on that. And I don't know if when they gave that death prophecy that they had already thought of Logan and how that was going to play out. But I do think that by the time they're writing Logan, somebody knew that part of the story enough uh, from the cinematic world to knew that, that line and, and decided to do that. So I don't think that's just a happy accident. So you think the line came first and then they made sure it came true in the uh, Logan movie? I mean, that would be my guess. I, yeah, I, 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 don't, I don't think a lot of the... I mean, if it had been made by Kevin Feige, I might have. I might think that no, it, it yeah, was all you know, planned from the. But beginning. no, not not with the people that wrote these movies. Because I mean, if you look at that, there's a Wolverine trilogy, 
you you know but aside from the x-men movies there's a wolverine trilogy you have origins Mm -hmm. good grief you just listed it wolverine yeah the wolverine (laughs) and then and then logan and they're not even cohesive like no that they're which is very different movies which Uh, is crazy considering that the wolverine and logan is the same director yeah yeah. And they're even different stylistically wise. Oh, yeah. I mean, part of that is intentional in the sense that the Wolverine really wanted to dive into the Silver Samurai run and, mm-hmm. you know, go very Japanese and, and that sort of thing. But he almost went too far. And then when he made this movie, it's uh, you know, way more on the, like, let's be modern and have a really gritty take on it instead which is like you're saying very strange coming off a very stylistic almost like art film uh kind of take so they're they're very very different movies so i i don't necessarily think that they had thought out those two things at the same time no well so again and i don't think we've we've mentioned this yet in the episode so james mangold directed both the wolverine and uh logan but Scott Frank was involved in both scripts. Yeah. So, uh, you know, that connection is there. I would tend to believe more that that Scott remembered that being in the Wolverine and said, this was a really cool chance to play that out. Yeah. No, I do still agree with that. Um, But uh, let's Let's, go ahead and move Let's get him on the show and ask him. So, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Another thing that I want to point out before we get into the actual comic books are the fake comic books that are in this movie. <laughs> that were made well, specifically for the movie. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I, this is such a fascinating story to find out that Marvel allowed them to use the X-Men comic, quote-unquote, comic in this movie. The, the aesthetic. But they couldn't. Yeah. Yeah, but they couldn't use actual <laughs> X-Men comics. Right. So they had to create, which they did a great job. I mean, yeah, the artwork, uh, even aging the comics to make them look like they're, you know, from, uh, you know, that certain time. I'm uh, trying to remember. I used to know the number. They made, it's like three or four ten. different. Oh, ten. They made wow. ten. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They made ten it's, fake comics with artwork. Yeah. The covers. Um, I don't know how full the actual comic themselves were, whether they did every page or whether it was one yeah. of those things where like it was three pages that just repeated over and over again. Yeah. Um. So, but yeah, it's and kind Wolverine's of a cool not thing. a fan. Wolverine's not a fan of the comic books, apparently. So. Of course, he's not because he's in the blue and <laughs> the blue and yellow costume, yeah. which he said in the very first X Men movie. Yeah. He didn't. Yeah, he'd rather wear the all black. So. Uh, <laughs> But, uh, of course, this movie is based off of the Old Man Logan uh, run of comics. There's actually two different runs. There is an eight-issue storyline that was built within the Wolverine series, and then the actual Old Man Logan comics, which had a uh, a run, a 50-issue run all by themselves. Uh, that was part of the Secret Wars storyline that was happening in uh, Marvel Sure it um, was. Yeah. Yeah. I'm and just, so sorry, I'm just kidding. <laughs> we we are not we are not gonna talk about those fifty issues. Um you heard me say earlier, they get very convoluted. Uh they clearly were just 
fan service of, hey, y'all liked Old Man Logan so much, let's show you what some other characters would look like Yeah, older. Yeah. Or even, what would Old Man Logan be like with characters in their current state, which is what the Old Man Logan series did as well. But we're going to focus, in our Moving Panels connection, we're going to focus on the eight-issue storyline from the Wolverine series that ran right. in uh, June of 2008. It was Wolverine uh, issues number 66 through 72. Uh, it also had a Wolverine giant size Old Man Logan, which uh, was released on September 9th of 2009. This story was written by Mark Miller, who I want to point guy? out because... I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah. 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 What? I read comics? <laughs> I've never heard of Mark Miller. Um yeah, so I just want to point out a few of the things Mark Miller has been uh, been behind. So he is behind uh, the Kingsman mm-hmm. comics, which has been turned into a movie series. He is behind the Wanted comics, mm-hmm. which was turned into a movie that exists. Um, <laughs> he is he is behind uh, Kick Ass, uh, which has been turned into a movies. And me as a Superman person can't help but mention he's the writer of Superman Red Sun, one of the mm-hmm. great. Uh, yeah. Superman storylines. Uh, he's also the guy who created the Ultimates in Marvel, mm-hmm. and he's the guy behind Civil War. So this guy knows how to write comic books. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> and even how to parody himself and the whole yeah. thing, like Kick Ass. It's just it's so funny to me. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, if you were gonna pick a dude to write this story, yeah, he would be. Very much on the short list, for sure. So, I'm glad he did it. It is... Wow, what a run. Yeah. It, uh... It's a completely different story, though. <laughs> completely different story. Yeah. So, for those not familiar with the story run, what has happened is the villains of Marvel, not just the X-Men, Right. all the villains of Marvel have teamed up and they have become organized and they have killed off almost all of the heroes. Right. All um, the, the key heroes. And yeah. they've used the heroes to do it. So we yes. get, in the beginning of Old Man Logan, we have a very, very pacifist Logan who has quit being a hero because Mysterio used his powers against him and he murders all of the X-Men. All of the X-Men, apparently. So, uh, which I'm a little, you know, plot wise, yep. okay, Mysterio's powers outdid Jean Grey somehow, mm-hmm. like, or even Charles Professor Xavier. X. Yeah. yeah. So, but whatever. So he's murdered everybody. And as somebody who was a fan of the books, that was... <laughs> I kind of thought it was cool how they were like, we're not telling that story at the beginning of Logan. Yeah. Because in the first five minutes, he just murders people. (laughs) So like very violent, uh, uh, you know, and he's drunk and he's, you know, living this like somewhat debauched life. And, uh, and then he gets, you know, um, threatened by this group of gang members and he just goes off on them and murders all of them uh, versus the books where it takes several episodes before he will even, even as an accomplice engage in any kind of violence. Uh, So 
I, I thought that was and cool how they right off the bat were like we're not doing it yeah. point for point. Because in the in the this eight issue run, I don't think he even extracts his claws or extends his claws, I should say. Until, until like issue seven or eight. Seven? Yeah. yeah. So it might be at the end of seven and then the yeah. uh, you see the full thing in eight. Yeah. I mean he refuses to do it. Now he does fight in other issues. Yeah. Um, but he, he does not use his claws. He, you know, grabs like a bat or something and well, he, uh, I, even the fighting, like it's more of like he drives, you know, the the spider car through the wall to, and runs yeah. over a couple of guys while getting yeah. Hawkeye. Like he's not really yeah. engaged in the violence. Yeah, it's more of a defensive fight. Like he's just like if a guy comes charging at him, he might grab and throw. You yeah. know, uh, he doesn't actually do any of that, but. And then also the storyline gets into the United States has been divided up. Um, Abomination took over the West Coast, but then, again, in some story we'd ever get, the Hulk overpowers Abomination, and the Hulk takes over, and the Hulk becomes a villain. Right. Magneto takes over Vegas and kind of some of that surrounding area, but then again, at some point, the Kingpin takes over that. Dr. Doom takes Minnesota kind of down to Alabama. And then the Red Skull uh, names himself president and he controls the East Coast. They, they show a map in the comic. Yeah. Several of how times. everything's divided. Yeah. yeah. And middle America is kind of open. Uh, although there are some dinosaurs that kind of just roam wild <laughs> that came from the Savage yeah. Land. Right, right. Uh, it, where one of the T-Rexes is actually Venom. Yep. Venom, Venom has symbiote, symbiote yep, has, has taken, taken over, a over a T-Rex. Yeah, so there you go. Uh, Come on, it's a cool the, panel. It is, it is. You, you've got <laughs> Hawkeye and Wolverine and their, their little Jeep uh, driving away from this, this T-Rex uh, yeah. that looks like Venom. Um, But the storyline, I do want to get into the storyline of the comics. The storyline mm-hmm. is that Logan is in debt to the Hulk family um, in a very Western kind of feel, you know, he's, he's just a farmer running a ranch. um, But the Hulks claim the land. And so they make him pay like rent and protection and kind of a mob also kind of feel to it as well. Um, And in order to get the money that the Hulk, the Hulk family wants, he agrees to do a what essentially is a drug run with Hawkeye. Right. That's, what, uh, that's old, the way Hawkeye sells it to him. Yeah. Yes. With an old uh, blind Hawkeye, which is another very interesting aspect of the comic. <laughs> um, and so they drive cross country um, and it's it's their journey. So really the only aspect that got carried over into this movie is the journey. Is that's yeah. it? That's the, it. That it's a buddy comedy. Both of them are buddy comedies. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, but oh, going into the comic a little bit, because let's talk about the comic. What were your thoughts about the whole Hulk storyline? So it's so bizarre. Um, Hulk decides to incestuously breed a Hulk family. Uh, you know, with his cousin. She Hulk and 
and things just get, go downhill from there. So they turn into a bizarre inbred family. Hillbilly. Uh, yeah. yeah, buddy. Like whole nine yards. And there are like hundreds of them. Yeah. Not not like a couple. Like they're no. they're a whole town of Hulk people that who that all just at. who all just sleep on the ground. Like I didn't quite understand that. Yeah, it's it gets they, weird. Uh, yeah, but do pretty much everything else fairly normally. Like they go to a restaurant to eat. Like we see panels with that kind of stuff mm-hmm. going on. I love that they have, which also the, shows that the they Fantastic can turn fours. human. Yeah, yeah. Well, so that's kind of my weird thing about that whole run. Like when we get to the end and he finally meets Bruce Banner again, this is smart Hulk who is entirely deranged and we get zero explanation on why. Like it is very bizarre. So the, the Hulk part of the story is probably the weirdest to me. And, and that's saying a lot. This is a weird comic run. Yeah. I agree. Um, and, you know, obviously this was before the Fox-Disney merger, so we couldn't get the Hulk in this. Although, I don't know if I would have wanted to see. It's a great comic run. I don't <laughs> think it could have worked as a movie. No. I really don't. But I, Animated? I mean, you have, sure. And you have but, MCU characters as well. I mean, we already yeah. talked about Hawkeye. Uh, you uh, Spider-Man's gear is used. You have... Uh, the spider buggy, whatever you want to call it. And Spider-Man's daughter was married to Hawkeye, which that's yeah, a which little, that, that's another that whole weird, weird thing. I mean, Hawkeye yeah. is older than Spider-Man and Hawkeye's, I can't remember. He says he has like five or six wives, has had five or six wives and she's like three or four, but she's got to be, she's got to be. 25-ish at least years his junior mm-hmm. like it you Hawkeye is not the most uh, upstanding guy in this comic run no. which to be fair he's not in the books like it's not uh it's not the Clint Barton we know in the MCU it's pretty you know straight as an arrow see what it did there and uh uh-huh. <laughs> but uh yeah he's he's kind of a dirtbag in in this particular run it gets real weird. Yeah. And then even though we don't really have any of the Avengers, we see, uh, you know, Thor's hammer. We see Mjolnir. We see Captain America's costume because Red Skull wears it. I was about to say, you do have um, Red Skull, who is an MCU yeah. you know, property. Mm-hmm. And like you're saying, and he's got the collected things of the different Avengers and Marvel characters he's killed. So there's a mm-hmm. whole wall of stuff that he couldn't have used in a, in that movie you know kind of thing but yeah very and then, and then we get very, to see old different we get to see old man logan wolverine fly back home in the iron man costume yeah yep in the I iron man suit. That, but yep yeah he almost so, yeah. makes it home <laughs> yeah almost makes it home he crashes in the desert very much like iron man like did iron man you know we might need to do a one shot just on that just talk about that but let's uh, cause you know, the, the way that he battles the Hulks at the end, we, that's a whole conversation that, oh yeah. Yeah. We won't get into, we, we won't get into, it's a great comic <laughs> run, the, the eight issues. And again, it is the heavy inspiration of, uh, this movie, but it's mainly just taking the character of old man Logan 
and bring him into the movies. That was really all it was. Uh, but let's get back into the movie really quick. I want to ask your opinion on X-24. The... Uh, yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I said so I only the... had one problem with this movie. Um, yeah. This this is my problem with this movie. Well, if it had just... So the, the CGI is not great. But you can kind of overlook but that. But it's not like X-Men if... Origins bad. Right. Right. And I, I could have overlooked that. If it wasn't for just a few scenes, and I get that X-24 is kind of the other end of the coin. You made X-23, you used Wolverine DNA however you used it. We're not really sure about that, but you use that and you create this little girl and she's, um, you know, has this, while she has his power, she also has, you know, some little girl things. She's got, uh, you know, a spectrum of emotions that you would expect from a little girl, all that kind of stuff. So I can see the logic in that if you're going to engineer the next version of that, if you're a psychopath uh, scientist who does this sort of stuff, you just create the rage monster that you were looking for in the first place. You want a killing machine. So you create X-24. Kind of the problem I have with it is it's super inconsistent. Like the, the weird scene in... I'm losing character names, but um, the family that that Logan uh, and crew meet on the road and they go back to their house and have dinner with them, all this kind of stuff. So X-24 shows up to get X-23 and we don't, Logan doesn't know yet that Professor X has has been murdered by X-24. X-24 is just coming down the stairs uh, from having murdered you know, Logan's best friend and Logan just weirdly kind of stands there and watches him take X 23 away and they don't get into it at all. He just, you know, kind of runs upstairs to, to check on Xavier like that. That scene just doesn't work for me. Like it just doesn't make sense. Why would Logan let him take X 23? Why does X 24 not engage in, you know, the, the threat that's standing in front of him, like all of those things are just sort of bizarre to me. And, and it's, uh, it's tough. I don't know. It's a very one dimensional character. And I get that he's just kind of an extension of the doctor's wants. He's, he's basically a robot, but it is kind of tough. So, what are your thoughts? This is this is something that I just got out of doing some research. I found out that at one point, Liv Shriver was set to return as Sabretooth for this movie. Mm-hmm. Do you think that he had the this part? It could have been obviously slightly different storyline, but do you think this was intended to be Sabretooth? Because I can't help but notice that the look Hugh Jackman has as X-24 is similar to Liv Shriver's look as Sabretooth with that cropped haircut, uh, skin-tight T-shirt. Um, I mean, uh, he still looks like Wolverine to me, even I though know, I, do, I, yeah, I, I do see what you're saying. Yeah. I, I think the movie that they would have made with with Sabretooth is totally different because Sabretooth is none of those things that we were just talking about that X-24 is. Uh, and I, 
I would struggle with the end if it was Sabretooth versus X24. So I don't know. Um, the, the way in which X24 completely overpowers a weakened Wolverine and, and kills him. And yeah, yeah, but like I, I said, I, I mean, there could have been a different story element. It could have been yeah. that instead Dr. Rice finds a way to rejuvenate the X gene. And so maybe he takes a, you know, an aged older saber tooth injects him, runs experiments, whatever with this reversal. Mm-hmm. And then it, it youthens him up and makes him back to his prime form. Again, I'm, Pulling at straws here. I'm just trying to, yeah. to think. Do you think that the story was slightly altered where maybe this could have been Sabretooth instead of X-24? Oh, oh for sure. In an earlier you know, version of the script, it, it for sure could Because have been we talked about it being a trilogy, and that would right. have been a perfect you know, way to conclude the trilogy is to bring back Sabretooth. Yeah. So I kind of kind of my thought there. So I I understand your dislike of X-24 and I don't disagree. I do, however, like the symmetry of at the end of the day, Wolverine is his own worst enemy and he, in a not so subtle way, gets to engage his worst nature and and overcome it. It's that existential kind of psychology that goes along with this uh, story, which connects back to the comic. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, I do. I do agree with that. Uh, you mentioned about uh, the end of X twenty four. What were your thoughts about the bullet that <laughs> is capable of blowing off a side of his head? Well, um, so full disclosure, I work in the firearms industry, so a lot of that is uh, a ton of suspension of disbelief because. Just the odds of the bu- of a bullet you've been carrying around in your pocket for twenty years fitting a random gun that you know you picked up off of somebody kind of thing is pretty low. Uh, that that's not super believable, but you know it kind of is what it is. He's got an adamantium bullet. Cool. Uh, where it gets a little bit weird for me is we already know that um that logan has healed from a very similar wound previously that's why he doesn't if if you buy that this is a trilogy uh you know that he had his memory completely blown away when striker puts a very similar bullet through his head in origins but also did not blow off half his head it just kind of dents in the front and well, it went in. I mean, it destroys yeah. his brain, and so as it regrows, he he has no memories that were destroyed there. But so, are we to assume that X twenty four is actually dead, or does he regenerate? Uh, yeah. If he's supposed to have those, I don't know. So, I kind of wonder if they were making a loophole to have. Hugh Jackman come back again, like total stab in the dark. But part of me kind of went, you, you already did this once and showed that Mm -hmm. the Wolverine can survive this. Uh, So are we, are we going to believe that he's going to come back? Um, You know, and you, and you get to play the clone card uh, moving him forward. I don't know, but uh, yeah, just the odds of him having a bullet that this 
random revolver on a battlefield is used for okay uh sure (laughs) (laughs) all right well let's get into it our final decision uh on the show we call it bag it stack it or trade it uh we know what it all means so go ahead chad uh i think we kind of set this right off the beginning so (laughs) let's go get into it do you Tell us why you bag it. Let's just go ahead and get it. Well, I think it's kind of funny because we began the show with that, uh, and now, and we've spent pretty much the entire thing talking about the nitpicking the things we don't like about it. So it's kind of interesting. But yeah. I guess, uh, I guess, you know, really getting into it and and seeing the disjointed nature where there is some that sort of thing is what you do when you really, really, really like something like this. But uh, it is definitely a bag it for me. I love this movie um, mostly just because uh, it really does wrap up Logan's arc really well. Like it humanizes him. It humanizes Professor X, which, you know, we've seen a, a lot of um, touching, caring moments, but like he's human in this. He has frailties mm-hmm. and faults and um, you see, you know, him realize, which we didn't get into this at all, but you see the scene where he realizes that he inadvertently killed a lot of people apparently, uh, in a psychic episode and, you know, all this kind of stuff. And, uh, so just kind of delving into the humanity of the X-Men of, of super powered beings, whatever you want to call them a little bit, um, getting to see, Wolverine come to peace with all of these angsty things that he's been dealing with through the other movies and actually getting a little bit of uh, closure and completion to his life and being at peace uh, when it ends is really cool. And introducing some cool new characters. I I really do hope they use X-23 in the future. I think it's an interesting character uh, and she has a lot of things to offer. So um, it's a it's a complete movie to me in that sense. Like uh, you get this whole journey, you get uh, a lot of loss. You have to you deal with a, a lot of of um, Wolverine's friends getting killed, and the reason that he doesn't make new friends because you know when he when he does make these new friends on the road, they get murdered and and everything turns sour again, kind of thing. But then with X twenty three, it kind of works out, and so he has a little bit of something at the end of his life, and it's. It's just a great story to me. I agree. Um, I could make a lot of the same arguments. It's a baggage for me. I go back to what you and I have said uh, just in general conversations, and I'm pretty sure we said it earlier in this episode. You know, this is a... This is, for me, it was the first superhero movie that to me felt like an actual a film. Like, it didn't need to be a superhero movie you could still tell the same story it it would still be a wonderful story even if it was a western even if it was just a uh you know make it an old hitman who right you know uh, is getting into you know coming out of the mob but he's getting pulled back in for some reason you know mangold and the writers uh, that we talked about earlier clearly were inspired by movies like shane and Unforgiven, which are the ones I reference yeah. in my opening. Uh, I even see well, a connection well, Shane to... Shane is in the movie. Like, yes, they, they're, yes. They're you actually do see Shane one, in the but, movie. Yeah. yeah. But I even see a connection with The Wrestler. Yeah. You know, of the, his... He, he knows no other life. Right. And so, you know, this is ultimately, you know, where his life ends, is doing the thing he's all... He 
knows he the only thing he knows how to do. And the fact that it is a superhero movie, but it's not a save the world superhero movie. Right. The world is going on regardless of what ended up happening in this movie. Yeah. The stakes really. are real world. There's a yeah. group of kids that we get to know a little bit that their lives are on the line. Yeah, so I agree yeah. with that. I mean, yes, they do. He does stop. He does kill Dr. Rice, which which we didn't talk about, you know, him <laughs> being killed mid-sentence. Uh, <laughs> he just shot him. Yeah. Um, but they do stop them, which, you know, you, you don't know. Could, could uh, Dr. Rice's plan have been a world changer? We don't know. But we definitely know it's not, as of right now, a major factor. Um, yes, X-24 is the biggest negative. Uh, I don't think that there exists a movie without a negative. Sure, sure. I re- yeah, I really don't. Uh, Shawshank Redemption is one of my favorite movies, but I could still probably find fault in it. Yeah. And and I just have to say, if this truly is Hugh Jackman and Patrick Stewart's final time playing these characters, that it was beautiful. They did it right. Yes. It is a great send-off for the two characters. Uh, probably one of the best send-offs for uh, any character that has been played by the same actor. You know, you look at all the James Bond and all the actors who play James Bond. I'm a big Doctor Who fan. You know, all the actors play Doctor Who. And there's been some great goodbyes for some of those. David Tennant's one of my favorite. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, <laughs> Indiana Jones, who still has yet to have his swan song. But... <laughs> Um, but yeah, all of these these characters no, that we've seen. No, the Last Crusade is the end of Indiana, Indiana Jones. <laughs> <laughs> you know, to to actually oh, give God. to give this uh, this nod a farewell to these two characters. It, it's beautifully done, and it's this is a great movie. This is yeah. a, this is a film. This is a piece of cinema. Um, that needs to be analyzed and studied in film classes, just like the great movies, you know, of our time, in my opinion. And yeah, I agree. And and I think that the swan song part of it that you're talking about, it's so good that you hope that they don't comic book them and bring them yeah. back. You know what I mean? Like you really do hope that it is a meaningful end, and they're they're gone now. So because they're. You know, not to get too philosophical about it, but that's real life. I mean, you know, yeah. we all are are temporal, and and there will be an end, and we hope to make a meaning for that. So, seeing characters do that well, you know, resonates with us as as just human beings. So, with that being said, and with us talking about Hugh Jackman, you know, being he is the only Wolverine that we have had uh, yeah. live action. If the MCU. Kevin Feige does decide to bring mutants into the MCU. Are we okay with them recasting Logan and it being a new actor? Or do we want, as you and I have both said, do we want them to just jump straight to X-23 being Wolverine? Oh man. Uh, I kind of, I kind of would like to see X-23. I, I like the direction that, the MCU has grown in um, using female characters. Uh, mm-hmm. I know you and Bethany had a conversation specifically about this. And so like with that in mind, I think it fits for lack of better term, the brand uh, for you to introduce X 23. And I, 
I'm not even 100% sure that you need to have any kind of disclaimer on that. Uh, sure, there's going to be some people, some, you know, people that get mad about it, but I, I, I don't care. You, you can't do anything without somebody getting yeah. mad about it. So, but I mean, we jumped straight it. to Scott Lang's Ant Man and it worked yeah. out just fine. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, people were I mean, not. Yeah, that's different. There was nobody who was yeah, a huge was, Hank Pym mo- movie yeah. fan, you know, so <laughs> yeah. it's a, a little different. But uh, yeah. but to your point, I, I still think it's doable. I think you could go straight to X-23. Um, it works, I, too, with I the trust- direction that the MCU seems to be headed with, you know, Hawkeye is training. Um, uh, my mind just went blank. Kate Bishop. Okay. Uh, and then we've got possibly Cassie Lang becoming maybe stature we've mm-hmm. got uh wanda's kids we've you know we're headed in this as you and i i know have talked about at some point the new avengers you know, we're headed towards this new avengers the young yeah. avengers whatever you want to call them that this younger group yeah yeah sorry. and if daphne king does get to still play x23 she's right at that you know she's you know approaching early late teens early 20s age by the time they probably get to this sure and so she'd be almost perfect for it so yeah at the same time you know it's kevin feige if he decides to recast it i'm sure he's gonna do a phenomenal job i mean with some villains aside which you know especially early in the mcu were not necessarily well written um you know if you if you take that aspect out of it I don't know of a bad casting decision he's made. I can't just dredge one up where I was like, oh man, I didn't, you know, so-and-so didn't play, you know, Star-Lord very well or, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. I can't think of any any rep, anything like that. So I do trust the people at Marvel if they're going to recast it. I think they're going to find somebody that's going to do a great job. So, uh, I mean, you, how many actors have been made from this? I mean, Anthony Mackie was in stuff, but like he's he's one of the dudes now. Uh, Sebastian Stan, yeah. the same way. You know, uh, a, a lot of these actors have been found by Marvel, so I think they could find somebody that would that would play the Wolverine really well. But yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, because we go back to when they cast Thor, and it was like, you know, unknowns. Chris Hemsworth <laughs> and Tom Hiddleston yeah. will lead, you know, this Thor movie. And then now, you know, they're who else could be Thor and Loki other than those two? Well, apparently so, Natalie Portman, but yeah, <laughs> and, and and Richard E. Grant can also be Loki. Yeah, so, yeah. and uh, an alligator w- can be too. So yeah. uh, you know, <laughs> which I, I love how we talked about how uh, cartoonish uh, Richard E. Grant is, and he plays the like dead on comic yeah. accurate Loki, old Loki. Uh, yeah, yeah. So all right, well. It's a, again, this is a great movie. Um, as much as we kind of pick and prod, that's kind of what we do. So yeah, go watch this movie if you've never watched it. If you have watched it, watch it again. Because it's one of those that it's enjoyable every time, in my opinion. Uh, it's not one you're going to watch just for fun, but <laughs> you, you're definitely going to enjoy watching it. There's no doubt about that. But, uh, but thanks, Chad, for joining me. It's always great talking, and you and I, especially when we get running like this, we could probably talk for hours. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. I was like and, uh, making new points while you were saying your little closing thing. I was like, no, we're done. It's, it's yeah, time to wrap yeah, it up. No, we gotta we gotta cut it off. We gotta cut it off. <laughs> and I think we did a pretty good job for considering this was a, a redo. This was a take yeah. two on having to do this. So, 
hopefully we didn't forget anything that we did in the first uh, recording. And if we did, it must not have been that important because we didn't remember it. So <laughs> um, I'm sure we, we did it better the second time. But uh, thanks, everybody, for listening. Follow us on social media and uh, just tune in for future episodes. But for today, for Moving Panels, I'm Laramie Wells, and I'll see you on the other side of the page. Thank you.